0: Good morning! morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Penny Matthews and I serve as an usher in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. God of our salvation, you straighten the winding ways of our hearts and smooth the paths made rough by sin. Keep our conduct blameless, keep our hearts watchful in holiness, and bring to perfection the good you have begun in us. We ask this through him whose coming is certain, whose day draws near, your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Today, the second Sunday of Advent, we will light the candle that symbolizes peace. Listen to the scripture reading from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 2 and 6 through 9, which reveals the good news. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion and yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And we light this candle today in preparation for the coming of Christ.
1: We hide our pain and our brokenness and our mistakes. We try to erase them from the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell each other. The God who created us, however, knows our true stories and loves us anyway. God has been dreaming a story for you since God knit you together in your mother's womb and invites you to live into that whole story. The good chapters and the difficult ones. We come to confession and worship because God wants us to know and tell the whole story, not just our favorite chapters. Let us pray. God of love, all year long we pursue power, yet you came in weakness as a child. All season long we want more stuff, but you alone offer what is lasting. Through the work of our Lord Jesus, forgive us, heal us, correct us. Then open our lips that we may sing your praise with the angels. When we allow darkness to overcome the light, forgive us, Lord. When hardness of heart keeps us from seeing and believing in your Son, Let your grace fill us, O God. Forgive our doubt and renew our hopes in Christ alone, that we may watch and wait, and once more hear the glad story of our Savior Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. Forgiveness is not offered lightly or superficially. Our reconciliation with God was costly to him. As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is God's steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel.
2: In Jesus Christ.
1: across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. And now let us all show Jesus love as we greet our neighbors.
2: You'll get used to that song. (laughs) We are glad that you're here today on this beautiful warm day in Florida and uh, thankful that we can uh, find another way by which to let our light shine in this world. And that is our theme for Advent, wondering about how we allow our little lights to shine in this world that yearns for hope and peace and love and joy. We uh, hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome, and we encourage you to fill out the friendship pads and pass those along to your neighbor and take note of all the announcements in the bulletin, a few that we want to highlight today. Uh, We continue to be in need of bell ringers for uh, the Salvation Army over at the nearby Publix. If you'd uh, like to take a a turn or another turn, please see the folks underneath the tree, and they will be glad to sign you up uh, as a way by which to... Do our little light shining by bell ringing. We uh, are grateful for the bell ringers that pre- performed this past Wednesday evening in our uh, music of Christmas uh, series on Wednesday evenings at 6:30. They did a wonderful job and. You really don't want to miss this opportunity. Jonathan Spivey will be leading us this coming Wednesday evening, and uh, it's always a treat when we have the chance to pause and reflect uh, through music about the meaning of the season. So we hope you'll join us at 6.30 on Wednesday. Come next Sunday and you get cookies. We, uh, we are uh, inviting all of you with your favorite cookie recipes to uh, to bring your uh, favorite cookies for a little holiday celebration underneath the tree. We guarantee a warmer Uh, morning, and uh, you'll have a chance to have some fellowship and to enjoy some treats. And if you have any questions, ask (laughs) Mingy. We have our new members class today. If you'd like to learn more about life here at uh, Church of the Palms, we'd love to have you come join us right over next door in the chapel. Uh, We will be sharing with you a little bit about our ministry and mission and how you can be a part of it. So come and join us if you'd like to learn more. On your way out the door, you'll be given a chance to pick up a Christmas postcard, and uh, this is something for you to take home, not only to remind yourself about all the opportunities that we have during Christmas time, especially our worship services, but also you might want to take one also to give to a friend or neighbor that maybe doesn't have a church home and let them know about what is happening here uh, during the Advent season and especially on Christmas Eve. uh, You can invite them to one of our seven worship services on Christmas Eve. No excuse if you can't find a time to worship with us on Christmas Eve, believe me. And also on Christmas Eve, we will be doing our live stream. For those of you who perhaps know somebody who's homebound, uh, maybe somebody up north that doesn't have a church home or whatever, we will be live streaming both our 5 o'clock and our 7 o'clock worship services so people can go on their computers and worship uh, during Christmas Eve with us at those two particular hours. So let that word be known to everybody uh, that you know that they can worship with us if they're not able to get out. And also, you'll see in the bulletin, we still are making our way forward on our uh, year-end challenge of uh, completing our goal of uh, another $400,000, so we pray that you will keep that in mind, especially as you're wondering about your year-end giving, as we wonder about how we will continue to be faithful to our mission partners uh, toward the end of this year. Let's now continue our worship.
3: Our most gracious and loving God, please receive our praise and adoration for your great gifts of love to us. Move within our hearts this Advent season, preparing us once again to receive the Prince of Peace into our hearts, we pray. Grant that we may live with hope and find your peace in our daily lives. Bless this church and all of her ministries, missions and caring, we pray. Bless those who lead and those who serve and all of us who gather to worship and honor you, we pray. Giving, give your healing to those who are not well this day. Give your peace to those who are making their way home to you, we pray. We pray that you'll comfort those who grieve, safeguard those in the military, mission fields, and all those who serve for the sake of others, we pray. O God, guide us all in finding your way. Help us to be your shining lights into the world. Teach us how to love you and love one another and love our neighbors, even if we don't know them, as you have loved us we bring our prayers spoken and unspoken to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who taught us to pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us take the privilege of this time to continue to worship God through the giving of our morning offerings and tithings. Let us pray. We give you thanks, almighty God, and we love you with these offerings of our gratitude. Use these and bless them and multiply them so that the whole world may come to know your love, peace, and grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
2: Right, the children come forward to witness this baptism of Selby Woolman. So come on up, Woolman's. Get him right here if you want. Great. Come on what a joy it is that we have the chance to Celebrate another baptism here at Church of the Palms. We're grateful to have little Selby before us John and Lauren along with Worth and Aaron who are here to support them as They come and bring their baby before us to be baptized We are delighted that we have the chance uh, especially perhaps at Christmas time when we celebrate the birth of the Christ child to remember that Jesus invites us all to become like little children and through such to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, it is uh, with this spirit in mind that we look forward to understanding ourselves as the great family of God who welcomes all of God's children into our life together, and we are delighted that we are able to renew our own covenant and our own baptism by baptizing our children. So, to that end, I am grateful, Lauren and John, that you're here and that you have the chance to answer these questions as you affirm your faith. Do you reaffirm your own faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Do you claim God's covenant promises on your child's behalf, and do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for her salvation as you do your own? And do you now unreservedly promise in humble reliance upon God's grace to set before Selby an example of the new life in Christ? And do you, the members of this congregation, in the name of the whole Church of Christ, undertake with these parents the Christian nurture of their child, so that in due time she may confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you? We do. And will you endeavor by your example and fellowship to strengthen her ties with the household of God? Will you? We will. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you join us at this font for you are the one who showers us with your grace. You are the one who welcomes us into your family. You are the one that through your spirit fills us with love and mercy. We are thankful, O Lord, that as we baptize our children that we remember again that we are all your children, that we've been baptized into the one great family, and that as we have received this child, we pray, Lord, that you will receive us once again at your Bethlehem stable. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you. Hi you. Hello.
4: <laughs>
2: Over there, Selby Ann woman child of the covenant. I baptize you in the name of the Father. and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's sing, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. What do you think, huh? You were once this small, and you were once this precious, and you still are.
4: <laughs>
2: and we are glad that little Selby gets to be a part of our little family here at Church of the Palms and a part of the great big family of the Christian Church.
5: On behalf of Family Ministries, we'd like to officially welcome little Selby Ann into the family of faith. and. Um, We know that um, it's our special mission to create a sticky faith in all of our kids so that when they graduate, leave home, they don't leave their, their faith behind. So we'd like to partner with you. We know that you guys are the most important influence in her life, but we know as parents, we aren't the only ones that will influence her. So we would love to partner with you to care for her and love her as she grows up in the church And um, I present you to help you on your journey, this little Bible storybook and your certificate of baptism and this very special little cross stitch that was made by someone of your church family. So congratulations. Thank you.
2: Let us pray. Thank you, O God, for this precious little girl. We are grateful that she is a part of our family of faith. We pray that you will bless her and keep her Make your face to shine upon her and be gracious unto her all the days of her life. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.
5: Amen. <laughs> Aren't we lucky that we get to see little Selby join the family of faith just like us? We get to watch her grow up in the church. So this little group of believers, we're going to run up and do kids' worship upstairs. Come on up.
2: may be seated. So we continue our season with the prophets. We have been looking at some of the major prophets of the Old Testament and their message to us as they anticipate the coming of the Messiah and especially as they are speaking to the people of Israel. Who have been held in exile, in bondage, uh, far away from their home. So today we are in the prophet Ezekiel, and we hear these words that come to us from the 37th chapter The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them and there were very many lying in the valley and they were very dry. And he said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews on you and you will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put your breath, put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded and as I prophesied suddenly... There was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. And I prophesied as he commanded me, And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. And then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost, and we are cut off completely, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you on your own soil, and you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And will act, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Allow, O Lord, these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh, that through your Holy Spirit we may ourselves come alive again. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Max Dupree, the former chief executive officer of the Herman Miller Company, tells the story about his father who founded the company back in the early part of last century. Back in those days, in the 1920s, furniture factories were not run by electric motors but by a shaft and pulley system fed by a steam engine. It was a rather complicated system of boilers, and straps, and cylinders, and steam, and the, and the whole cycle was overseen by a person called a millwright. And the millwright was responsible for making sure the cycle of shafts and pulleys and steam was always working so that the woodworkers could keep applying their trade. Well, one day, the millwright died. And Dupree recounts that his, fa- that his father, when hearing the news, decided to do the right thing and go to the Millwright's house and pay his respects to the family. When he arrived at this rather humble abode of the Millwright, his wife invited him in and to have a seat in their rather modest living room. And there was some awkward conversation, followed by some even more awkward silence, until finally the millwright's wife asked if it would be all right if she read to him some poetry. Mr. Dupree consented, so the woman went into another room and brought out a bound book of poetry and began to read. It was beautiful poetry, and when the woman was finished reading it, Mr. Dupree asked who wrote it. She replied that her husband, the millwright, was the poet. Upon later leaving the house, Mr. Dupree began to wonder about something. The employee, whose job it was to oversee this mechanical puzzle of shafts and pulleys, and who was very skilled at it, had something completely different going on within him. Another passion, another gift. He wrote poetry. He wrote very good poetry. And it led Mr. Dupree to ask a question that would forever change the way he looked at his employees, And the question about the Millwright was this, was he a poet who did Millwright's work, or was he a Millwright who wrote poetry? Was he a poet who did Millwright's work, or was he a Millwright who wrote poetry? Life does have its way of funneling you and me into a particular work or a particular role. We make our choices along the way as to what we are going to do for a living or what we are going to be when we grow up. But those choices don't always paint the whole picture, do they? There's more than what meets the eye in you, isn't there? Is it fair to say that you are or were just simply a business executive or simply a salesman or simply an accountant or simply a stay-at-home mom or simply a teacher or simply retired or simply a millwright? No, the truth is you are not just simply anything. We are not defined, or at least we shouldn't allow ourselves to be defined, by the life choices we've made in the past. Was the man a poet who did Millwright's work, or was he a Millwright who wrote poetry? Truth is, you and I are deep and complicated human beings who have been fearfully and wonderfully made by a creator whose design for us we're learning about every day. Nevertheless, we do live in a world that has its way of working us to the bone. And when I say working us to the bone, I don't just mean working us long hours, though that may sometimes be the case. No, no, the world has its way of working us to the bone by somehow working out of us the spirit that is inside us, working us, working us over, as it were, so that the only thing that's left is the bones and not the spirit. And we can get to, we can get Work to the bone in all sorts of ways. Sometimes it is in fact our jobs that work us to the bone. We, we take on a work that doesn't necessarily give us joy but pays the bills. We work against our spirit and finally our spirit departs. Sometimes it's just life that works us to the bone. Unfortunate circumstances occur that make living more difficult. Job loss and marital strife and depression, an unexpected accident, a a surprise diagnosis. and And we grind and we grind until finally one day we feel like there's no more spirit inside. All bones, no spirit. Sometimes it's just not being honest with ourselves that works us to the bone. We live our lives the way that we think everybody else wants us to live our lives instead of how we might be called or how we might be created. We put on a good front until finally the day comes when we look inside and we see nothing. Boris Pasternak, author of Dr. Zhivago put it this way, the great majority of us are required to live a life of constant and systematic duplicity. Your health is bound to be affected if day by day you say the opposite of what you feel, you grovel before what you dislike, and you rejoice at what brings you nothing but misfortune. Our spirits, he continues, cannot be forever violated with impunity. The world sometimes has its way of working us to the bone." Add on top of this the widespread notion in our culture, certainly outside the church, but sometimes inside the church, that believes that the purpose of God, the presence of God, the mission of God is try to get us to do something that we're not wired to do, to get us to be the person that we were never created to be, that God is some kind of drill sergeant who's there to bark orders at us and whip us into shape and conform us into some kind of robotic followers. It doesn't matter how you were made, it doesn't matter who you are, God's around them mold you into some kind of uniform figurine for his play set. And so, in turn, religion becomes for a lot of people this dry sort of ritual that manages to suck out of us whatever spirit there may be inside of us, that even the Creator, some think, works us to the bone. So what do you get on Sunday morning? A lot of people bone tired from their week, bone tired from working against their very grain, bracing themselves now for the drill sergeant who's there to tell them they're not measuring up. And what's left is all bones and no spirit. Enter then the message of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is speaking, as I said, to the discouraged and to the depleted people of Israel who have been left to suffer under a foreign captivity. History has worked them over and the spirit of Israel has departed and along with it any hope that they might have a future. And Ezekiel has this vision of a valley of dry bones, a valley of a people who have been worked over by history, worked to the bone, people who have had life go all against them. And in this vision, Ezekiel hears the voice of God who tells him to prophesy to the bones. Tell the bones that I will cause breath to enter into them, and they shall live again, and I will lay sinews and flesh upon them, and I will breathe my spirit into them, and they will come alive, and they will be what they were always intended to be. You see, the message from the beginning to the end of the Bible is that God is always trying to let us be who we are, and who we are is both bone and spirit, flesh and soul, and the spirit inside us is the spirit of God breathed into us to bring life to that unique spirit within us, this unique spirit that oftentimes the world wants to suck right out of us. You see, the crazy thing about how people view religion is that to be religious is to join some sort of chain gang where we're dragged along by God who has constricted us into some kind of involuntary servitude. It's the opposite, it's the other way around. Jesus says, I have come to set the captives free, I have come to blow upon the dry bones the Spirit of God, I have come to give you permission. To be yourself. Studs Turkle, who wrote years ago the seminal book on the nature of work in America called Working, said this, Most people have jobs that are too small for their spirit. Most people have jobs that are too small for their spirits. Expand that to say most people have lifestyles that are too small for their spirits. Most people have made choices that are too small for their spirits. Most people have circumstances that are too small for their spirits. Most people have gotten themselves worked to the bone and they wonder, can these bones ever live again? And maybe that's why we love Christmas so much because that little baby born in Bethlehem is born to a people who've gotten themselves worked over. Mary and Joseph forced to leave their home and have their firstborn in a manger, enough to knock the spirit right out of you. The, young, the people of Palestine living under the rule of Rome, the despotic kingdom of Herod, worshiping in a temple built by a heathen, enough to knock the spirit right out of you. But then there's this little itty, baby born, who's come to tell us that life is more than circumstance. Life is more than situation life is more than the choices you've made life is more than the job you punch in for life is spirit you can't hold a baby and not know the life of the spirit and he's come to claim our spirits he's come to set free our spirits he's come to bring life to our spirits So no surprise that in his ministry, Jesus felt drawn to talk to the people like the tax collectors and the the prostitutes and the marginalized and even to the empty rich. You know, all those folks who've got lots of stuff but no spirit. Jesus, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we're all bones. Life has worked us to the bone. We've gone against every grain in our bodies that there's this empty rattle inside us. And Jesus says, follow me. Let me unlock the prison and follow me, because where Jesus takes us is back to ourselves. Jesus takes us back to when we were born, back to where it all began, back to when it began with spirit. We were spirit before we were anything else, and we will be spirit after everything else. And when and while life has its way of hammering us into, squeezing us into a job description, labeling us, defining us, giving us titles we don't like, Jesus leads us into this adventurous, journey of living out the great mission of human existence that we're called to love the world, and we're called to love the world and all that is in it, and finding the joy of doing and being what we were created to do and to be. B Salazar slipped a disc. The old body wasn't what it used to be, and she slipped a disc. So she had back surgery and she went home to recuperate and she was put on disability at work and so she stayed at home and and she grew discouraged and maybe a little depressed over the situation in her life and she felt a little sorry for herself and she felt like she was more bones than spirit. One day when she stepped outside for a little fresh air from her apartment, she looked over at the apartment complex dumpster and there was a young boy inside scavenging for food. B went to him and told him that if he wanted some food that she could make him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which she did. She took him to her apartment and she fed him a PBJ. And when she was done, she sent the young boy home. Fifteen minutes later, a knock came to the door. She opened it and found six more young boys on her doorstep. Is it true, one of the boys asked, that you're giving away peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Sure, she said, and so she fed them and found out that no one was at home for these boys because it was summertime and their parents worked and they had no place to eat their lunch. The next day, more kids showed up. The next day, more kids. She felt like she was feeding the neighborhood. When school began, then the kids began to come over at the end of school so she could help them with her homework. With their homework. B saw that this was getting to be something pretty big, so she asked for volunteers from her church and her community. She got resources from the schools. She got her landlord to give her an apartment where she could set up shop for these children. 100 kids now come every day to visit B and her ministry. Mortal. Can these bones live? Frederick Beekner said that our vocation in life is found where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. They used to say that when Lou Gehrig, the great center fielder for the New York Yankees, would come home from playing one of his 2,130 straight baseball games for the Yankees, He would often drop his stuff off at his house, and he would run out to the street and play stickball with the neighborhood boys. Imagine that, playing stickball with Lou Gehrig. Deep down, Gehrig was just a boy wanting to play baseball. And maybe that's why when he was diagnosed with what would become known as Lou Gehrig's disease, forcing him to retire early. He would stand before a standing-room-only crowd at Yankee Stadium and say, I am the luckiest man on the face of the earth. And don't you wonder if that isn't God's hope for us all, this little light of peace that he would wish to flicker within us, that somehow each of us would get to the end of it and say, I'm the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I am the luckiest woman on the face of the earth. Not because it went just as planned, not because, you know, it was all a bed of roses, not even because we found the perfect job, but somewhere along the way we found ourselves, we found our spirits, we found our calling in life, that place between the millwright and the poet where the world's deep hunger and our deep gladness meet. Maybe that starts in Bethlehem, where the world's deep hunger and God's deep gladness meet in that little child who will someday walk the dusty trails of Palestine, who will someday walk the paved avenues of Sarasota and say, follow me. Let those bones
1: live. Oh,